Greetings and welcome back to Haftarot, the weekly video cast in which we take a look at the upcoming week's Haftarah, understand what its basic message is, and see how it is related to that week's Torah reading. However, as we experienced last week, we will see that the Haftarah does not relate in any direct or immediate way to the regular Torah reading, rather to the special Torah reading of the four parshiot. This is Shabbat Zachor, don't forget. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and I'm delighted to be studying with you the special Haftarah of Shabbat Zachor today. Uh, but first, a few words about Amalek, the nation or the tribe that we're supposed to never forget, at least never forget their enmity towards us, and we are obligated to do everything we can to wipe out their memory, a little conundrum in itself. Um, the name Amalek is a name that first shows up actually before anybody named Amalek is born, and that's in the story of the kings in Bereshit Yodalid, and there's a place called Sedeha Amaleki. But Amaleki, Amalek as a person, is a grandson of Esav, and he's just another grandson of Esav. However, he gives birth to a tribe, meaning long after he's gone, there is a tribe of Bedouins called Amalek after him. And there are a few offshoots of this tribe. And one of the groups of this tribe came and attacked B'nai Israel on the way out of Mitzrayim. We read about it. You can see it here on the right-hand side at the end of Parshat B'Shalach. Came and attacked us on the way out of Egypt and in a cowardly fashion attacked our rear flanks. And at that point, Moshe appointed Yoshua, and it was the first battle that this not-yet-formed army got engaged in in actually active fighting as opposed to the fight against the Egyptians, which they watched God wage. And Yehoshua led the battle, and Moshe and Aaron and Hu went to the top of the mountain, Moshe raised his hands, very famous story, and that battle ended in a draw. In other words, Amalek did not beat us, after all, we're still here video casting. and on the other hand, we did not beat Amalek because we still have to remember them and keep a vigilant eye out for them, etc., and at the end, uh, at the end of Parshat Ki Tetzay, uh, in towards the end of Sefer Devarim, we are commanded to remember what Amalek did, to never forget them, and to wipe them out. Now, it's an interesting thing about Amalek because we never actually do this. Meaning, after we enter the land under Yoshua, there are some Amaleki tribes there, and we don't go after them. And even in the times of David. David doesn't go after Amalek except when a group of Amalekim, one of the particular sub-tribes of Amalek, attacked David and his men's stronghold in, in the Gaza Strip, and David went after them to save their families who had been taken hostage and save their possessions. However, before the story of David, there is a particular sub-tribe of Amalek that lives in the North Sinai that has started to settle in. And for the first time ever, and the last time ever, we hear about Amalek having a king, which means they're going from nomads to settling in. And at that point, Hashem tells Shmuel, the prophet, to go to Shaul and direct him to go to war against Amalek. And that is the story that we read this Shabbat. We'll take a look at a few of the nuances of the story, but it's important to note that this story is the downfall of Shaul. Shaul had already made a critical mistake which deprived him of having a dynasty. And that was when he offered the offering in Gilgal before Shmuel had arrived. Take a look in chapter 13 of the first book of Shmuel. But here, Shaul is actually fired as king. 
Shmuel the Navi directs Shaul to go to war. Shaul goes to war. He wipes out Amalek. However, he keeps the nice animals alive. And the clear sense is that the soldiers and Shaul wanted to keep the nice animals alive and not to destroy them. His keeping the king alive was not a problem because that was done throughout the all the Oshuan Wars. They kept the king alive and then had a trophy killing, which is going to happen here, a public execution of the king. That's not the problem. The problem was he kept the, fat, the animals alive and only the good animals alive, the fat animals, the animals that had a lot of meat on their bones. And Hashem's son came to Shmuel and said to him, I'm finished with Shaul. He did not do what I said with Amalek. And Shmuel comes to Shaul and and Shmuel and Shaul says, I've done everything you've said, everything's great. And Shmuel says, if that's the case, then why am I hearing the bleeding of, of a flock? And Shmuel says, oh, we saved the good ones to bring us korbanot. And this is part of Shaul's, um, shall we say, perverted view of the worship of God, that God wants korbanot no matter what the cost. <clears throat> and at that point, Shmuel utters the very famous words, two things. First of all, Shaul blamed the people and said, the people, they talked me into it. They forced me to keep these animals. And to which Shemuel answers, Im katon ata be'enacha, you see here in verse 17, Roshiv Yisrael ata. You think you're so small in your eyes. The humility that we saw when we first met Shaul now seems to be a detriment. You are the head of the tribes. You're supposed to be commanding them, telling them what to do. Now, Shaul then says, but I did the right thing. And I and and we took we killed everybody we killed all the animals and the best ones we brought as a korbanot. Shmuel's answer is classic in pasuk chafet. Vayomer Shmuel hachefetz ladunai biolotus vachim kishmua bekol adunai. Is God desire the korbanot as much as listening to to God? That's what God wants. God wants your obeisance. He wants you to listen to Him. In a shmua mizavachtov, obeying God is greater than a korban. Attending to God is greater than the fattest of animals. And this is an essential statement that we find throughout the Nevi'im. We find Nosheu, we find Namos, we find Nisheu, we find it throughout the Nevi'im. Not a rejection of Korbanot, as was read by some in the 19th century and since, but rather putting Korbanot in their place. Korbanot offerings to God are great when they're done within the context of listening to God. But to disobey God and to bring the fruit of that disobey, uh, disobeying as a korban, that's ridiculous. God wants you to listen to him. And God told you to wipe out all of Amalek. And this is really the end of Shaul's career. From this point on, Shaul is operating as something of a rogue king. And in the next chapter, David is already anointed. Um, at the end of this chapter, at the end of the story, Shmuel reluctantly agrees to come back with Shaul and make a united stand in front of the people. He has Agag, the king of Amalek, brought before him, and Agag, he ex publicly executes him and makes a statement about it. Just as your sword made many women childless, your mother will become childless now, and he kills him. That's the end of Agag. And of course, midrashically, there is a tradition that somehow Agag had other children that weren't killed here, not shot in the story, and that one of those descendants is Haman. It's very difficult because Haman in shot in the story is a Persian, not a Semite, not part of Amalek. But in any case, we associate it because the Amalek in every generation is that enemy who stands up to destroy the Jewish people. That's who Amalek was here. That's who Haman was there. 
That's who Hitler, Yimach Shmo, was there. That's how throughout the generations, our enemies who stood up against us and tried to destroy us, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Matzileinu Miyadam. HaKadosh Baruch Hu always saves us. It's important to remember that. Uh, and that's why before Purim, Shabbat before Purim, always we read, read this Haftarah, we read the Parshat Zachor, and on Purim we read the story of Amalek uh, in Bishalach to always remember that there are always enemies who want to destroy us. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu protects us and, 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 and saves us. And, uh, but we always have to keep our eye out for that. Uh, a painful but vital lesson that we take from this Haftarah. And we should have a wonderful Shabbat and a Purim Sameach. Uh, hopefully, Mirza Hashem, we will be able to soon celebrate all of our holidays together without masks.